Hello, Girlboss. COO and Editor-in-Chief of Girlboss, Neha Gandhi here. I'm filling in for Sophia Amoruso. We have a great guest for you today. Known for years now as one of the most influential women in Mexico and a force in service of gender parity, Angelica Fuentes is an executive, entrepreneur, investor, and mother, and she's now located right here in New York City. And she's focused on using research and money to change the way investment looks for businesses run by and supporting women today. Before we get to our chat, I want to remind you that if you want to join us in building Girlboss, you can check out the Girlboss community. Get early access now at community.girlboss.com. Also, remember, if you like what you hear on today's show, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe, and tell a friend. We're going to get to our chat with Angelica in just a moment, but first, Sophia is going to tell you a little bit about Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. Just go to stitchfix.com slash girlboss and tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each item. You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick five items to send right to your door. And then you try them on, pay only for what you love, and return the rest. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. There's no subscription required. You can sign up to receive scheduled shipments or get your fix whenever you want. Stitch Fix's styling fee is only $20, which is applied toward anything you keep from your shipment. I love Stitch Fix. I get it to our office, delivered all the time, and actually there's just tons of Stitch Fix packages coming in and out of the Girlboss offices. I'm excited for my next box when I get home from New York. Now that the Girl Boss Rally is done, and after the holiday, a nice gift for myself. So get started now at stitchfix.com slash girlboss, and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash girlboss to get started today. Stitchfix.com slash girlboss. Success. It's such a complicated idea, and yet for so long, we've all collectively subscribed to a single definition of the word, which was likely given to us by a white-haired dude somewhere in a boardroom in the 1960s. And there's nothing wrong with that definition, with the notion of climbing a corporate ladder with a singular focus. But it's time to make space for a few other definitions, for side hustles and well-being and failing forward, and for the idea that success is a wild ride, not the destination at the end of it. Join me for a journey into the lives of women who are redefining success and paving the way for others with grit and grace. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder and CEO of Girlboss Media, and this is Girlboss Radio. Angelica Fuentes is a Latin American businesswoman and impact investor who has committed her life to gender equality. She's been recognized by Forbes magazine as one of Mexico's most influential women. At the age of 29, Angelica was appointed CEO of Grupo Imperial. My goal was to become the CEO, and I worked very hard at it. They were basically men in the executive positions, did not believe in what I was doing. They thought that I was going to get bored and and, uh, walk away. Little did they know that I was there to stay. She quickly positioned the company as a top player in northern Mexico's energy sector. From there, she went on to head many different energy companies, including the Mexican Natural Gas Association and the Business Energy Network of APEC. 
In addition to her career as a powerful executive, Angelica has equally devoted herself to supporting the cause of women and gender equality. Some of her social justice work includes participation in the World Economic Forum's Gender Parity Program, leading the Mexican Gender Parity Task Force, and serving on former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's International Council on Women's Business Leadership. In 2014, she established the Angelica Fuentes Foundation, which is focused on women's empowerment and gender equality as one of the most efficient tools for social, economic, and environmental development. The foundation supported the Girl Up program from United Nations Foundation in Guatemala. And we got to change the marriage age from 14 to 18, affecting millions of girls. In addition to her foundation, she recently founded a skincare line called A Complete, a charity called the Imperative Fund, an investment fund called Equal Invest, and a beauty line called the Beauty Station. She's a woman on a mission, and today she's here to share how we can help in the fight for gender parity, how to balance multiple jobs at once, and the reality of becoming a mother later in life. Now let's get to it. Here's our chat with Angelica Fuentes. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to talk a little bit about your career and everything you've accomplished because you are an executive, you are a founder, you invest in women, and you've been... You had your first CEO role over 25 years ago. Right. But there's a version of you that happened before that, before everything that we're celebrating today. And I'm so curious about where you started. What was your first job? Well, my first job was at a gas station at one of the gas stations of my family. I was 11 years old. And the most significant thing about working there had to do with me finding out, out of a man, what it was to be absolutely publicly discriminated. So I did what you know an 11-year-old at a gas station could do, which was pump gas, clean windshields, you know, put air in tires and things like that. And I saw how the guys were being tipped, but I was not. So one day, evening, I told myself I had to have the courage to ask, why not me? And I did the next morning. And the man answered because you're a woman. And it just struck me, you know, so hard to get that answer. And then I gathered the courage to say, why do you make a difference? So he tipped me back then, this is a long time ago, uh, Juarez, which is a city that, uh, that where I grew up in, was very small. And so there were lines of cars, you know, uh, talking about that girl that pumped gas at the gas station. So, but I learned something very important, not consciously at 11 years old, but I learned that if I did not speak up for myself, that I've, if I did not raise my voice and lift my hand for what was right for me, nobody was going to do it. So that's where it started. What drove you to, I mean, I think it's, it would be, there's another version of that story where you're 11, you're afraid, and he's like, it's, this is just the way it is. You're a girl. You don't get the tip. And you say, okay, great. I feel sad about it, but I'm going to go home and cry, and I'm not going to say anything. What was it in you that made you feel confident enough to ask? I can't pinpoint exactly what it was, but I think it had to do with the way I was raised. I had a lot of privileges, but I was raised in a far than less perfect family where I was supposed to be one of three things. Somebody's daughter, somebody's wife, and if I was lucky enough, I would become somebody's mom. And I questioned everything. I, since I can remember, I questioned everything. I got in a lot of trouble by doing that. But there was just this fire within me that 
was not going to allow that to happen to me. Later on in life, I realized that while doing that for me, I was also having a big responsibility of trying to take, you know, open up that path for the women that came behind me. And that's why I've been working, you know, as a woman's advocate in, in every sense of the word, you know, whether it be through philanthropy, through the businesses that I've ran, now, you know, investing um, in women, you know, I have a big responsibility. I, I, I know that that this is my calling, this is my passion, and, and, and I'm one of those millions of voices that is out there to remind women that they also have one. And the true, real power comes from within. Wow, that's powerful. I'm wondering if some of that starts with having that adversity. I mean, I don't, I don't wanna call it adversity necessarily, but that idea that the expectations of you in your home as a child were very specific and they weren't necessarily lining up with what you saw in yourself and the possibilities that you felt. Do you feel like you have, you're stronger because of it? I feel I'm very strong because of the things that life has thrown at me. And yes, it, they have been, you know, big adversities, some bigger than I ever imagined I would have to go through. And yes, that made me stronger. That made me push forward. Sometimes, sadly, things like that break somebody's spirit. In my case, it did the total opposite. I just pushed forward. I became more resilient. But then I also did something that was very important. I opened up my heart to the understanding that this sounds weird, but again, you sound weird to me when I would say it you know, in public. But love is the most powerful thing we can ever wake up into. And, you know, as, as time went by, as my life, you know, started developing, I realized that everything that I have gone through has made me who I am today. And I love what I look in the mirror inside and out every single morning. And to some of us, that makes us, you know, stronger. I don't necessarily think that that is something that you have to go through in order to become a true powerful woman. I have two little girls, a five and an eight-year-old, and I'm teaching them through my example and words that they don't have to go through anything that's that painful in order for them to understand that respect comes from within, that dignity is something we give ourselves out of love, out of compassion for who we are, and therefore we can share with others. And when you start understanding all of that, you start truly becoming powerful. When I ask them, where is real power? They say, in my heart, mommy. And somehow we become what we believe, we become the words that we put out there. And I think that that's how we should start walking through life, by reminding ourselves and other women that we don't have to go through all those perils and all those hardships to become strong. Because we already have that power within us. We just have to find the strength to wake up into it. Yeah, and I think that people like you, women who have sort of faced adversity, telling their stories and being forthcoming and not saying, you know, the things that have been hard, I'm gonna put in a box over here and all you're gonna see about me is, you know, the perfect, beautiful version that we all share on Instagram or wherever. That goes a long way in that regard. I agree with you. I think that we try to cover up our our um, our 
how do you call it, our um, scars with things that we put on top, but that's not true. We truly overcome pain. We we overcome everything that life throws at us when we accept where we are, who we become because of it, whether it be good or bad. And from there, decide, do I want to change and become a better version of who I've been or a better version of, you know, of, of who I've invented myself to be? Because at the end of the day, it's just a theater, you know, that, that we put about our lives out there to live as we, as, as we choose. And I think scars are beautiful. I think that that's just, you know, um, what makes us move forward. I think that women have made themselves pretend to be perfect and we go through life wanting to be perfect because that's a stereotype that, that media and everybody has, you know, created about women. And that's not true. Nobody's perfect. We can make mistakes. And mistakes to me are just opportunities to grow. The past is gone. All we have is a present to portray from, from our present into what we want to do in the future. So you know, the mistakes just do not define us. It's okay to fail. It's okay to get up and try it again in a different form, you know, to get a, a different result. And, you know, that's, that's how I view, you know, the things that have happened to me in my life. And that is what I want to share with, you know, especially younger generations of, of women is that, hey, it's okay to fall. It's okay to fail. You know, just dust your knees and keep on moving. You have everything you need within yourself to keep on waking up into who you truly are. All you have to do is just believe. On the failure front, I think that's such a powerful thing. I do think that there is something inherently privileged about that idea of failing forward, right? Who gets to fail forward? Um, there's probably some hierarchy of white men are most likely to be able to fail forward. And then, um, you know, a lot of other people. And then you see women of color, women um, of other ethnicities, women who are otherized in any way, sort of closer to the bottom of that pyramid. And I'm curious if you have advice for women who feel that way, who are sort of maybe have had a failure and are feeling stuck because they're not sure that our culture, our society, our country, specifically this country, sees them in a way where they get a second chance. I think that, and I believe, I don't just think, I believe that we all give each other as many chances as we want to. It has nothing to do with, are you going to give me another opportunity? Are you going to give me another chance? I want to give myself another opportunity to take that that I failed in in the past and to do it in a different way because if I make another mistake, then that's okay. That'll teach me to keep moving forward. I definitely believe that what today, but I don't agree with our call minorities. I'm Hispanic. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm part of that group. Um, yes, I believe that they might think of us as less than, but when we learn that it has nothing to do with what others think, but what I think of me, then we will start making changes for ourselves. Because we can't change anybody in life except me. I believe in me. I love me. I know that my true power is within me. And I learned especially it about three and a half years ago. So it's up to each individual 
to change that narrative for the individual. And once we get there and once we understand that, you know, it takes one to make a change and remind others about it. And that's why I tell women all the time, once I wake up into this, once I understand that, then it's your responsibility because it's because it's been mine to remind other women of it. So my advice to them is don't let them define you. You choose what you want. You give yourself another opportunity. You get up there with your head up high and your heart open and go try it again. Don't let anybody decide what you want in life. It's yours. And you should run with it and you should do whatever you want to with it. I think there's great examples of incredible women that I've met throughout my life because my favorite thing of working is working with the, ways, uh, with the women at the base of the income ladder. And God, to look into their eyes and to see what they do when they wake up into, or when they start actually waking up into who they truly are to achieve their p- potential, you know, it's just incredible. There's nothing that can stop them. And, uh, and I just think it starts with, with oneself. We'll get back to our chat with Angelica in just a moment. But first, Sophia is going to tell you a little bit about Prudential. Interrupting this podcast with a brief word from our partners at Prudential. In their 2018 financial wellness census, they discovered that less than half of Americans believe they're on track to meet their financial goals. To learn more about these findings, Prudential set out across the country to see what types of challenges are getting in the way of our financial wellness. To see some of the fascinating results they gleaned from their time in Jacksonville, North Carolina, Stonington, Maine, Loma Linda, California, Memphis, Tennessee, and Huntsville, Alabama, check out Prudential Presents The State of Us on YouTube. You'll hear more from Angelica in just a second. But first, Sophia is going to chat with you all about Third Love. Third Love is a bra, underwear, sleep, and loungewear company that does things differently. They have the perfect fit because they designed their bras using millions of real women's measurements. They also have more sizes than other brands. They are an industry leader with 70 sizes, including its signature half cup sizes, which are a game changer. They're super high quality. They feel so good. And maybe the best part, they're really convenient. You can find your fit in 60 seconds with Third Love's online fit finder quiz. Order and try on at home. No more awkward fitting room experiences, which is such a relief. And Third Love will give you a 100% fit guarantee. Their team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. And if you don't love your product, returns and exchanges are free and easy. And they just launched their most requested style, which I love, my favorite cotton t-shirt bras and cotton underwear. They're made of Pima cotton, and the result is a line of incredibly soft, smooth, and breathable bras and underwear you'll want to wear every day. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash girlboss now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash girlboss for 15% off today. Now, let's get back to my conversation with Angelica Fuentes. At the age of 29, Angelica became a CEO for the first time. She shared the details of how she became a CEO of Grupo Imperial. Well, it was not easy, of course. You know, I had been working um, basically on my life from the bottom up. 
uh, every summer in the summers. I mean, I was pretty young. And uh, after working at a gas station for three summers in a row, then I became somebody's secretary, then I became uh, an accountant's assistant. And then at the age of uh, 20, I became an entrepreneur because I started a business of LPG, which is liquefied petroleum gas, in the United States, in Texas, in Montoya, uh, retailing it. I had a bobtail, which is a truck, another uh, a guy that helped me and me, and that's how we started the business. And we grew that, you know, in Texas and in Mexico. And in this went and on weekends, I was, you know, learning, and I would go to work at one of the offices in Juarez to learn about the whole business so I could really be prepared. Because, yes, my goal was to become the CEO, and I worked very hard at it. And I had a plan, and um, I took risks because women are raised not to take risks, and we should. Measured, but we should, you know, take risks. Women are also um, brought up to believe that it's not okay for us to be ambitious. It is, just like any man, and I was, and I am to 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 get things, you know, done the way that I that I believe are right. So that's how I became uh, the CEO. Um, they were basically men in the executive positions, did not believe in what I was doing. They thought that I was going to get bored and, and uh, walk away. Little did they know that I was there to stay. And uh, and it was very hard because they would try to put every single obstacle possible in front of me so I would fail. And I understood at a very young age that I had to work twice as hard as any man to prove that my skills and my decisions and my strategy were great and that they would work. And I did, but it was not easy. It was, it was, it was very hard and, you know, just preparing myself twice as much and working twice as hard and just being there and being present, uh, made me become who I did. So, so yeah, not easy. Not easy. Sometimes I think the hardest parts of jobs like that, where maybe everyone doesn't believe in you or you don't have the support of your full team, it's in the little things. It's in the smaller obstacles. It's not in the big sort of to topple your um, leadership, but it's like the little things where people undermine you. Do you have any examples of moments like that and how you have sort of overcome them? Well, I guess the first example that I could give you is that I had a first meeting with all the executives when I first became the CEO. Oh, man, like I said, in the energy sectors to start off with, which is still controlled today basically by men. And... Um, and we went over what everybody was doing, you know, the, their responsibilities. And I said, okay, um, when do you think you can have X report, you know, and we can go over it. And everybody gave me, you know, the dates. I wrote everything down, went back into my office. First day, first day and time came about, I sat in the office, in, in the conference room by myself for five minutes, 10 minutes. And I called the person. I said, I'm waiting for you. He said, oh. You really meant it. That, that was just, you know, those words just tried to undermine me to, you know, like, oh, you're not important enough. You know, you really are serious about me. And I said, I am dead serious. I said, I want you to come here and I want you to tell me what exactly have you been doing this whatever amount of time. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. And it was things like that. You know, um, they would want to come and talk to me without really telling me what was going on. Just, you know, the surface 
of, of information. But I would dig in and I would, you know, ask the questions that I had to ask. But yeah, it isn't in the little details that people push your buttons or that people want you to feel less than or where people want to undermine you. But it's, and it's in those little details that you can explode and you can just, you know, throw everything, you know, uh, to the ground. But it's there where you have to take a deep breath and keep pushing forward in the understanding that unless you do, things won't change. And I tell women that we have to understand that today is still hard for us. And we accept that, but we never forget that we have to change things by changing ourselves. We can't accept others to change everything for us. We have to be the change. We have to be the first person that goes out there and asks for that race. And I told women, practice in front of America because once you get there, you will stutter and not be able to do it. Seriously, practice it. And then go out there and have the courage to, to ask what's right and what's fair and what's just. Yeah, there is something to be said for, you know, ask for a raise the way you would ask for someone to green light your strategy against something else. Like it should feel like just as big a presentation that you're rehearsing, that you're planning. Yes. And I don't think women do that. And I'm very serious when I tell them, look at yourself in the mirror and say it out loud. It'll be embarrassing at the beginning, but you'll get it. You know, that's those are little steps to, to, to gather that strength, that courage to wake up into that power that we are. You'll hear more of my interview with Angelica in a few. But first, Sophia is going to tell you all about ShipStation. Oh, the holidays are almost here. And if you're selling stuff online, you need to meet those holiday deadlines and you need ShipStation to do it. It's a fast and easy way to manage and ship your orders all from one place. I remember how much of a crunch time the holidays were when I was running an e-commerce business and there's nothing like getting it wrong when you hit all the volume and more that you're forecasting. So whether you're using your own website, Shopify, Squarespace, Etsy, or over 75 other popular selling channels, you can use ShipStation to bring all your orders into one simple interface. It makes everything so easy to manage from any device, even from your cell phone. Then you can create labels with UPS, FedEx, and USPS. We use ShipStation.com here at Girlboss for all of our shipping needs. We're launching Girlboss merch soon. If you've seen my Instagram, uh, we made an amazing Girlboss tracksuit that I hope is what you wear everywhere you go once we put it on you. And with ShipStation, we ship more in less time with the best rates available. So right now, try ShipStation free for 30 days and get an additional month free only if you use my promo code GIRLBOSS. Don't wait. Go to ShipStation.com. And before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in GIRLBOSS. That's ShipStation.com. Enter GIRLBOSS. ShipStation. Make ship happen. Now, let's get back to my conversation with Angelica Fuentes. Angelica told me about the Angelica Fuentes Foundation. She shared why she wanted to start it, what the foundation does, and how you can get involved. Well, the foundation works in the two areas that I've been working on, you know, this last 30 years, which has to do with working with uh, NGOs, with organizations on the ground, 
on two areas, giving women the opportunity to have financial independence, and the other one has to do with training programs. Because once women have um, a business or are starting a business, if they don't have the training to see what the next steps are for them to take, then they usually get stuck in that first step and not go on to the second and then the third. So to me, one goes by, you know, hand in hand with the other. We work basically in Latin America in um, seven countries. And I, you know, I I just love um, this one story. Uh, the foundation um, supported the Girl Up program from United Nations Foundation in Guatemala. And we got to change the marriage age from 14 to 18, affecting millions of girls in Guatemala. That, that to me is probably the proudest thing that the foundation has been able to do through the support of it uh, for the program of, uh, of Girl Up. And, you know, th th that's what, what we do in, in the foundation because to me that's key. When you give a woman the possibility of having financial independence, that woman will more than likely, the vast majority, do away with a lot of the violence that they face, whether it be physical, psychological, emotional, sexual. Once they become financially independent, especially that they understand and they can provide for their children, they will leave very abusive um, situations. So that's that's what the foundation does. And what about women in the Girl Boss community who uh, are hearing what you're saying right now and they're thinking, that sounds amazing. I would love to participate in some kind of program that makes the kind of change you're talking about. I mean, changing the age of marriage from 14 to 18, that's staggering. Yes. What a life change that's going to be for so many women. How can women in this community get involved? You know, I think there. one of the things, for example, that I talk about, I think when we march for a right of something, it's wonderful. When we speak up for something we want, it's great. But if we don't have actions behind that, nothing moves or it moves way slower than we would want to. So what I would advise young women is that look up. There are many incredible projects that people already have out there who are affecting in a positive way the lives of girls, of women all over the world, you know, not just in the United States, that they can be, you know, participants of in many ways. You don't have to just participate economically in a project, there are all different types of people that you need in all projects for the projects to be successful. You need people who believe, who write, who speak on behalf of, who have uh, uh, funding to give them, who have contacts, who are willing to work. I mean, we all have a, a different talent and just put it to work on a project that you are, um, that you're passionate about and go do it. Action behind words or action behind marches is the only thing that will truly change things. For example, I got a project. I had to reinvent myself at 52 three years ago. You know, like, like, like a lot of women have had a few very unhealthy relationships. The last one took almost literally everything away from me. And I didn't sit down and cry and dwell on, oh, what did this happen to me? I just said, okay, what's next? What am I going to do? And I reinvented myself. So now um, I've got this incredible project called Equal Invest, which is a fund. And we're going to invest in publicly traded companies, global publicly traded companies, 
who have the best practices on gender equality and women's economic empowerment. Uh, and we're going to have 18 metrics that I implemented in both groups where I was the CEO of, that energy group and another nutritional cosmetics group, where I implemented equal pay for equal work we had in 17 countries all across the board. I was running it. I believed in it. I did it. So for everybody that can hear us, if the head of a company believes in it, it can be done. I had flex time, home office, breastfeeding infrastructure, maternity and paternity leave because I thought it was important for both. Great family-friendly uh, policy for both men and women. Everything was for both men and women except, of course, the breastfeeding infrastructure. So um, I want to measure, and we are already measuring all those variables and all these different companies that we're going to invest in because we want to be a brand that will tell the consumer that that company is doing right by women both internally and externally because we also have um, metrics that will measure what they're doing with um, their suppliers uh, on, on, on women's issues that they can control, but they can audit. So uh, that's that's a great project, for example, that that I'm you know that I'm that I'm spearheading right now, um, because it will be proof that profit can be also a part of. Uh, you know, making this world a better place in many ways, to me, for women. I want to talk a little bit about more about those 18 metrics you're talking about right. because it's that's built on research. That's not just you sort of putting your finger to the wind and saying, these are 18 things that are going to work. And I'm curious about what was the most surprising as far as what those metrics are, what you learned from that research and that work that came out of it. Well, first of all, I want to say, that they work because I took in a company that was bankrupt, the, the last one that I was the CEO of, turned it around within seven years, made it a very profitable company. We were in 17 countries, made it to be one of the 100 most profitable, important companies in Mexico. And they work. Besides the strategy that I set in place, all of that policy had to do with incrementing productivity immediately and exponentially. And bottom line was increased as, as a, you know, as, as, as a consequence of that as well. So this is not research that I've read or research that somebody did on, on, on a global scope or on a local scope. It has to do with me living it, me implementing it. So I know what it does. So we are measuring this by going over the uh, social responsibility reports of companies and figuring out what are all of those 18 metrics are they following up on. So we we have uh, some great companies that are not necessarily doing all 18 because that would be pretty hard, but, you know, pretty close to them. Just like we found some companies that cater to women who have, because our score is from a one to five, and that's how we did it. One being the best, five being no transparency whatsoever, or do not care at all about women's issues. And I was surprised to find, and I'm not going to shame any company, I was very surprised to find that some, because they're, they're pretty large companies, they're mid-sized to large cap, two billion and up, um, that cater to women specifically that fell on number five. Can you tell us who's doing well? Who's Apple, for example. Mind? Apple is definitely one of the companies that's doing great. Walmart is, is, is doing good. But for example, one of the things that was very important for me working with women at the baseline income ladder was 
one, you know, one of the things that we measure external measurements has to do with, okay, you say you hire companies who have within their structure hundreds of women or thousands of women working there. Are you making sure in auditing that those companies who are in Bangladesh, in Latin America, in India, and in all those countries, are you making sure that they're not overworked and underpaid? Are you making sure that there's no child labor there? Are you making sure that human rights are being respected? Are you making sure, you know, that harassment is not, you know, a daily thing in those companies? So because I want to make sure that they can't not just claim, oh, I'm hiring hundreds of women or thousands of women because of all my, you know, external suppliers. Yeah. But are you making sure and are you being responsible that they are being responsible with the women they're hiring? So, for example, that's one of the metrics. The other one has to do with when you are buying product from women um, owned companies, are you paying a fair market value and on time? So those are things that we're measuring. I want to make sure that, you know, that we truly do right by uh, women and that those companies with the power they have, they understand that, you know, there are some of us who are very, very interested and we will, you know, be watching and, and measuring very closely what they're doing. The other thing is that, you know, how many women in, in managerial positions? I think measuring women on boards and women in executive positions is key and it's very important. But we're not going to move the needle if we don't start from the bottom up, if we don't measure way many other things than just those two. So that's one of the things that I'm aiming at, at measuring a lot more than just that. Which, yes, it's key and it's important. But if you want to create that pipeline for women to thrive within the corporate um, world, we need to measure a lot more, um, or we have to have a lot more metrics than that. And the reason behind the fund has to do with that we're going to be the first point of entry for women at the base of the income ladder to have for the first time in their lives capital market returns. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So we'll have a conversation there if you would like to. You know, once we're launching early uh, part of next year, and um, and I'm very excited about what we're going to be doing with with this fund. I want to go back to, um, well, I mean, honestly, there's so much I want to ask you, but uh, I want to talk about some of the things you said about motherhood and this idea that um, I think you wrote in an article on Huffington Post that waiting to have children until you were a more mature woman um, with a developed career was really a powerful choice for you. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and sort of why and how that worked for you. Okay, well, yes, I decided to be a mom way later in life. I don't recommend the age that I was a mom at. I had my first daughter when I was 47, and I had my second daughter a month before I turned 50. So can it be done? Yeah, I'm, you know, I carried my girls, and they're very healthy, thank God. I don't recommend waiting that long, but I do recommend women, you know, um, having a little more time for themselves, growing in who they are, maturing. Because, you know, as they say, and it's true, you know, the, what is it, 40s are the new 30s or something like that? You know, 30s is a perfect age to to get pregnant and have children, especially if you take care of yourself and you're very healthy. And the other thing is that before you have a child, there's something that you really have to work on within yourself. Don't feel guilt being a mom and understanding you can work. Because it's not about the quantity of time spent on anything or with anybody. 
with the quality you give to it. And if you truly get that, then it'll be okay to have children. And then the other thing, you know, I have heard a lot of, I, I work basically with millennial people, both uh, men and women. Because I think that if we don't cooperate with men, we will not get anywhere. And they're a key, you know, part of, of, of changing this narrative, especially the, the millennial guys. I mean, they don't want to be fathers, you know, weekend fathers. They want to be parents. They want to be co-parents with, with, with the women. And I think that's fabulous. I think that's wonderful. And so it's okay to wait. It's okay, you know, stop having all that pressure from society, especially Hispanics, uh, people who have more of of that family, still family-oriented um, thought process that we have. It's okay to wait and be a mom. And don't feel guilty when you're a mom and you go back to work. Yeah. That idea of not feeling guilt is like a subject for a whole other well, conversation. Yeah, it's embedded. It's, it's, it's one of those preconceived, archaic ideas that we have about ourselves and therefore we've allowed men to have about us. In an interview with EBW, Angelica talked about coming from a very conservative, traditional Mexican family and how she had to overcome those cultural expectations in order to build her career. She shared her advice for other women out there who are dealing with the disparity between cultural expectations and their career ambition. So my advice to those women is you own your own life. You have your own dreams. You have to lift them. You have to develop them. You can't lose them. And you have to gather that strength. Because as I said a couple of times, you have the power to do it. Do not let others guide what you want in life. It's up to you to do it. You don't have to break up, you know, with with your family uh, circle to do it. But you can look at your mom's eyes or your dad's eyes because it's usually, sadly, the mom that does it. And tell her, this is my life. This is my dream. This is what I want. You had yours. And I appreciate what you've done for me and what you want me to do. But, but it's not me, mom, or it's not me, dad, or it's not me, auntie, or grandma, or whatever. This is who I am. And this is what I'm going to do. Because sometimes we think we need to, to go into this horrendous struggle. And some of us might have to. But if you come from a, from a place of peace and compassion and love for yourself, you will be able to come across that way with whoever you have in front of you. So don't ever lose your dream. Don't ever change it for anybody. It's yours. And give yourself as many opportunities as you need to, to achieve it. I have often said that the only thing our consciousness or our soul or energy, whatever you want to call it, will have to our mind at the end of one's lifetime is going to be that you have the courage to be happy. My answer is yes. I hope everybody else's is too. Before she left, Angelica shared her most recent girl boss moment. Oh God, just being me, uh, understanding that success to me today means 
walking very comfortably in my skin and my own shoes. Thank you so much for joining us today on Girlboss Radio. If you liked what you heard, remember to subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends. Follow at Girlboss, at Girlboss Radio, and at Girlboss Rally. Subscribe to our new podcast with Uber called Jumpstart and hosted by Jen Rubio, co-founder of Away Luggage. If you have ever wondered how to pitch VCs, this is the show for you. Check it out wherever good podcasts are found. And remember, if you want to see what the future of Girlboss will look like, go to community.girlboss.com. <laughs>